From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, August 8th. The folks at Moab's Public Works Department think about the layout of the town differently. Looking at sidewalks over here on Cane Creek, Uh their trip hazards pop out of nowhere. That's Levi Jones, Public Works Director, showing me his version of Moab. It's not just the potential trip hazards that catch his eye on this ride-along. It's curbs, gutters, storm drains, dams, ditches, patches, potholes, retention, detention. It's like an alternate map in his head of things that have been done and still need to be done in Moab City. What we have here, we are having to reconstruct the wall on the other side of the bridge. Streets team lead Lane Gilson, who also carries a public works map in his head, It's been nearly a year since a big flood turned Mill Creek into a bona fide river flowing downtown. And Moab's public works crew, along with those at utilities and parks, have been dealing with the cleanup. They're also at work preventing future damage, like the repair of this wall near Woody's Tavern. It's to help restructure to keep businesses from being flooded or falling down into the creek. Same with this it's side. officially monsoon season, the time of year where late summer rains bring an abundance of precipitation. And one of the things the public works crew is banking on this season, because of flooding in recent years, there's just not as much debris to carry through the creeks. That means less potential damage to infrastructure if a big storm hits again. Here's Jones. Those first few storms brought all that debris down, and we, we've hauled so much away. And with Team Rubicon, those volunteers, they came through and helped out with the mitigation as well. And there's still so much more to do along the creek. But it's, if we had a similar event, it's not going to it's not gonna topple these bridges and go down through, uh, through Dewey's. I mean, it's, that's not going to happen again um, unless we had double the event, mm. um, the amount of water anyways. Which would be a very intense circumstance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't want to even think of this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's not think about that. As we travel through town, looking at culverts, detention ponds, places where crews physically rerouted the creek system, I realize there's just so much that goes on behind the scenes at this department. Like, anyone can look at a street full of potholes and think, why can't this be repaved? But the crews at Public Works, they know why. They have that map in their heads, and it tells them what's underneath. Back at the public works yard, Jones puts it simply. We have a lot of failing infrastructure. I mean, water, sewer, storm drain. You, you, don't, you can't see any of the, the water infrastructure. Um, we want to have new streets throughout town, at curb, gutter, sidewalk, asphalt. The issue with, with that is most of the infrastructure below the asphalt is failed or failing as well. And so it's, it's not just a, hey, let's re-asphalt this street, $600,000 project we're talking about. It's a multi-million dollar project because it all needs, it all needs to be done. Take 100 East, a street his department often receives complaints about. It's, it's failing, and the streets department will go in, they'll put permit patch in, and it blows out. And we'll do small patches, and it blows out. It's because the rest of the street is, is not a solid. And it's one of those big projects where it's going to require everything from the utilities up to replace. And so it's, it's going to be an expensive project. That means a need for major funding and major crews. 
Of course, 100 East isn't the only street that needs attention. Jones has a long list of capital improvement projects around Moab. Future planning is a big part of his job. So is responding to emergencies. Jones himself is available 24-7. In any of the hours of the night, it doesn't matter. We've, we've been up for days. There was a time when we had water main shut down that we were at working on it for three days. The flooding event, the guys running for 18 hours. So we, we have worked long hours, oddball hours. That's Streets lead Gilson again. I know for a fact you and I, thinking of a water line break over by the bus barn on 400 East a few years back, it was negative 15. We spent 36 hours and 12 hours of it in the water, in the negative 15, getting that pit fixed. And it was just, you know, last year or year before, we had three main breaks at the same time. So it's not just the water department. We had streets, water, sewer, anybody and everybody that was available to help them get them under control. We work together. Not everybody's got the same experience, but everybody's willing to chip in and and help each other out. This type of work can be exhausting, but it's where public works crews might be the most visible to locals. And that can be rewarding. Here's Jones, then Gilson. We'd be working in the middle of the night. We'll have... uh, the local down the street stop and say, hey, I appreciate what you guys do. They'll bring us water. For the most part, we have a lot of their support. It's not only challenging, but it's fulfilling. I mean, you, you get to do something and you stand back and, and you know, it's like, hey, we did that. It's nice to, rewarding, I guess, self-rewarding, to be able to help the public. And it pleases a lot of people. These two at Public Works, they're looking forward to calmer times. It's not just wishful thinking. They say they've done what they can to identify flaws in the infrastructure system. They know where the problem areas are, and they say they're as prepared as they can be for this monsoon season with limited funding and limited crews. If there is an emergency, Jones says they have response protocols in place. It's not if it's going to flood, it's when. It's These microbursts become, have become pretty common, so what, what streets do we need to close? What trails do we need to close? What uh, materials do we need to make that happen. We have taken, we have all those steps in place um, to help prepare for the next one. To prepare yourself, find links for information on sandbags and emergency alerts in the show notes of today's news. An art teacher at Helen M. Knight Elementary is being charged with felony sexual battery. A 12-year-old girl reported that Robert Bruce Hucko allegedly, quote, smacked her on the butt at her home when there were no other adults present. The disclosure was made during an interview at the Children's Justice Center, according to court documents. In that interview, the child described another incident where Hucko allegedly made her uncomfortable. Sexual battery can be charged as a misdemeanor or felony, Because of the girl's age and Hucko's position as a teacher, investigators are charging him with a second-degree felony. School District Superintendent Taryn Kay told KSL News that the schools are, quote, taking it seriously, and, quote, student safety is our top priority. Kay says Hucko was placed on administrative leave pending the outcome of the investigation. The new school year for the district begins next week. The state of Wyoming will have to explain how recent near-total abortion bans protect Wyomingites public health and welfare. A lawsuit to overturn the laws is now snaking its way through the courts. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KHOL's Hannah Mersbach reports. The state argued virtually from Cheyenne that it shouldn't have to provide any evidence in the case. 
but a judge struck that down. Plaintiff Christine Lichtenfels runs abortion access group Chelsea's Fund. We're pleased that we're moving forward in getting more information and ensuring that people in Wyoming can still make their own health care decisions. Plaintiffs were aiming to show that Wyoming's abortion laws were religiously motivated, pointing to statements on the websites of lawmakers that sponsored the near-total and medical abortion bans. The judge ruled the state doesn't have to submit them as evidence since those lawmakers are not parties in the case. Abortion continues to remain legal in Wyoming while the case is being heard. A decision could come by the end of the year, though it appears destined to go to the Wyoming Supreme Court. That's Hannah Mersbach reporting with our partners at KHOL. The Utah Supreme Court is hearing oral arguments today on an injunction currently blocking the state's abortion trigger ban. Planned Parenthood of Utah challenged the ban shortly after the overturn of Roe v. Wade by the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, August 8th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.